This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Oh, I loved it. Uh, you know, I'm here to have fun and, you know, I'm sure fans enjoyed it. And, you know, it was a blast to be here around the, the best players and, you know, be on the ice with them. And I liked it. You know, focus now is uh, get back on track and, you know, play consistent, consistent game and, you know, win, game, win one game at a time and see what happens. Love it. Nikita Kucherov, you know, it's funny, and we have a, a major announcement to make here at the top, but I, I did want to touch on this real quick, and I'm sure we'll hit on it with you guys throughout the show. By the way, it's good to be back with everybody after we were off for about a week. Greg Linelli with you, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Michigan. Steve Ersick's our producer. I, I, I wake up to a bunch of tweets, and the <laughs> hockey world is talking about Nikita Kucherov. As same this, with me. Yeah, as yeah, this villain, and then it's like... <laughs> What? On, like, I don't care about the All-Star game, All-Star weekend. We'll get into some comments that I, I thought were pretty interesting from some national people who I think just took what Kucherov did or didn't do way too far. Way too far in terms of the effort he gave or didn't. But, you know, I, I guess that's one way to stay relevant, partner, when you, you have a, a week off is... Uh, People complaining about the skills competition and Nikita Kucherov maybe not giving 100%, but uh, as I always come back, who cares? I, I don't think anybody was really bothered by that outside of the people who tried to make it a bigger deal. Well, the people who were there and witnessed it or watched it on TV, but I, I will be honest, I didn't watch one second of All-Star Weekend, which is no offense to... All-Star Weekend, I was traveling. I was I was involved in some stuff, and it sounds like you were involved in some stuff, too. So the information that we got was secondhand at best, but we can get into that. We'll touch on that here in a little bit. Hit us up on X at Bolts Radio. But as we tweeted out earlier today, we uh, have some big news that we want to share with our audience because we... We look at Lightning Radio as our extended family when it comes to the sports world, and we like to keep them abreast of what's happening on and off the ice. And, partner, I'm just going to kind of kick it over to you because uh, I know this is something you've been working on for quite some time, and it's finally here. You're very excited about it, as you should, but why don't you share with, with our audience what's going on? Yeah, thank you, Greg. And, and there are different ways that I could break this news, but I think it's only appropriate that we break it on Power Lunch. Yep. And this is just the first of, of many mentions of this that Lightning fans will hear about, but you're hearing it here first. And the news is that I have written a novel. The novel is called Blind Squirrel. And for now, I will say this about the novel. It is a story of family, loss, love, and hope. And yes, there's some hockey in there too. So we have a publication date. It is March 31st. So we are building toward that date and there will be more details coming soon in various platforms, including on the show. Well, it's it's quite an honor. I think you and I were talking about this off the air. I think there are a lot of people who, you know, maybe envision themselves as like, oh, if I could write a book, I, I'd love to, but I have nowhere to start. I, I don't know how long it takes, and I don't even know if I'm a good enough writer. And I think those are all fair questions. But you, you actually did it, and I think when you when you do something that a lot of people sometimes feel could be far-fetched or it's more for those other people that that write books 
I, I think it is a, a huge accomplishment, and this is something that you've been doing for uh, a long, long time in terms of putting this story together. Yeah, I mean, we can get into the backstory probably at a later date because I think that that is, that is an interesting story in addition to the story that is in the book. But, yeah, I started writing it when my kids were really young and didn't get very far and put it away and thought maybe I'll come back to this someday and maybe I wouldn't. And I didn't for a decade and a half. And it was a couple of years ago when my wife, Dulcie, suggested, why don't you go back to this novel and and see if you can move forward with it. And I was astonished that that the story came together in my mind. So from beginning to end, it was a long time, but from the time that I actually got back to it, it was fairly short. Uh, it, talking about a matter of months that I was able to kind of think of how to move the story forward, advance the story, and then write it. And, you know, there's a process after finishing a draft, which I learned <laughs> as far as kind of finding a publishing home and editing it. And that is that's all new to me. This is my first rodeo, Greg. So it's been a really enlightening experience. But I will say this about the book, and then we can move on to to hockey talk and 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 get back to the Lightning, who have a very important stretch coming up here starting Wednesday in New York City against the Rangers. That this novel ended up being the exact novel that I wanted to write. I have absolutely no regrets. So. And that's a big I am deal. very happy with the finished product. Yeah, you should be, and that's a big deal because sometimes you hear you get to that final stage and maybe things have been changed accordingly and it doesn't come out to having the voice that you anticipated. So very exciting. And we're going to talk about this, I think, yes. throughout here on the show. And, of course, Mark it down, folks, though. So yeah. March 31st, yep. at least in this program, you'll be hearing that date a lot. For sure. It's a Sunday, so yeah. light near home. That's the be publication big date. Blind Squirrel. Big day. Yep. Blind Squirrel. Congrats, partner. And I uh, can't wait to read it. And it should be uh, a lot of fun. I'm sure a lot of hockey fans, especially here in Tampa, are going to gravitate towards that book. And uh, again, we'll keep everybody abreast of uh, more details as they come. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. The, the all-star festivities, let's call them that, over the last couple of days occurred. I, like you, did not pay attention to anything, but I did pay attention to my... Twitter feed, <laughs> and a, a lot of people were talking about Nikita Kucherov, mostly in a positive way. Interested to hear that some of the quote-unquote national pundits or just people who don't cover the Lightning specifically weren't too impressed with Kucherov's lack of effort, and somehow it degraded the skills competition and maybe actually hurt Kucherov's chances of any type of award he may qualify for. Uh, down the road. Um, I, I don't think this hurts him in any capacity. Uh, there are some people, partner, who believe that he's in the media. It's exactly what Kucherov wanted to happen. Uh, I'll leave that up to him. I, I, I couldn't answer that question based off of just the interactions we've had with, with Kucherov. I mean, my sense is he probably didn't care to have all that attention thrown his way in that capacity. But then again... You know, he played to the crowd, played to the audience, I guess. But I, I don't think this hurts his image, as some people were implying, because of what happened. And uh, if if you want to go the route that this is what he anticipated in terms of 
getting the most out of All-Star Weekend, having people talk about Kucherov. I, I don't know if I agree with that either way. I, I, I think it's an event that some people cared about. A lot of people didn't. And I think we're all ready for some hockey. Well, I agree. And, and I'll say this because I didn't watch the event. I didn't really even see the the clips that were apparently so damning. But this I know about Nikita Kucherov since he has been with the Lightning. He does march to the beat of his own drum. Yeah. And I don't think that he is bothered by, quote-unquote, public opinion. I think what bothers him is when some of his teammates don't get the accolades he feels they deserve, as he said about Vasilevsky and the was it Vasilevsky and the Vesna, <laughs> right? Right, right. Wasn't that leading to his famous number one BS line? That's true. So look, Vasi's is one of his boys, and and he's going to prop him up best he can. But I think Nikita Kucherov marches to the beat of his own drum, but that beat is far from a lazy beat. We talked last week about the dedication that he shows and the work he puts in to try and make his game the best it can be. Whether it's taking 200 pucks off the boards on rims or practicing his one-timer or stick handling, whatever part of the game he feels he needs to keep elite or make more elite, Mm -hmm. he works on it. Yeah, And hockey players, I think, are by nature hardworking. They are, especially this generation of hockey players. But I don't know that you're going to find somebody who works harder than Kucherov. So that's Kucherov. (laughs) And he's not going to apologize for who he is. That's who he is. He does not talk to the media very much, although he did. We played the clip at the start of the show. And he really does his own thing, right? So he is satisfied by the way he carries himself, and he seems unaffected by what other people might think. As far as the court of public opinion within his peer group, though, I had heard this about Nathan McKinnon, or I had heard that McKinnon said this, and I saw a quote from McKinnon who was asked at the All-Star game, and basically, I'm paraphrasing here, he basically said Kucherov is my favorite player to watch because he has no pulse. He's like, a lot of guys will say the same thing. Yep. So the regard with which he is held among the other all-stars, there's there's no debate there. No. And I, I just think if I'll, – I'll put a bill on this conversation. If you're getting worked up about a player's performance – regarding a skills competition or even the all-star game itself, I I think it may disqualify your opinion on anything serious when it comes to the league because everybody had glowing things to say about Kucherov, the player. And I think, who was it? Sean McAdoo from The Athletic. They they talked to a number of executives about, you know, best power play person, best offensive player, kind of did a a little bit of a list or, you know, who you would have on, on the power play at certain positions. Kucherov... Uh, was ranked number one in terms of the guy they'd have um, running that power play on on the right side. And I just, he's having a tremendous year. But anybody who takes away from casting a vote 
or putting him in that conversation of the best player in the game today because of what happened in a silly skills competition. I, I just, I have to ask how serious of a human being you are when it comes to talking about the league. And if that's kind of the mindset that you have, and I think there are more than a few people in the NHL that may have that who cover the league, I think it does discredit your opinion a lot because I, th I think you have to be true and, and understanding of what exhibition game, what all-star games are. They are exhibition games mm -hmm. and that's exactly what they are. So uh, I think we're all excited for the season to get back in gear starting on Wednesday. There was a couple of trades partners that were made. Yes, and, uh, I think team home. Yeah, yeah. So the Lightning will not be seeing him because no. he moved from Calgary yeah. to Vancouver, and the Lightning are done with Vancouver. So it, it kind of goes in the regular season. I guess yeah. we should always say you never know what what can happen down the road in the spring and, and maybe early summer or late spring. But the Lightning have a game left against Calgary. They're done with Vancouver. Yeah, and you know I I think it speaks to. The theory some executives may have, do you want to make a move a little bit before the trade deadline to get that player or players acclimated to their new surroundings, get a little more time um, out of them, mm -hmm. so to speak? And I, th I think that's what we saw. Uh, it's interesting how teams will use a first-round pick when you have it, especially a team that's going to go pretty far. That, that first-round pick becomes a little more irrelevant. Also, I, I don't, and again, I, I don't research and I'm not watching all of the the games in, in juniors and, and some of the top prospects. A couple people that I, I do respect that cover the draft. They have said this isn't maybe the deepest draft, so to speak. So, you know, giving up a first round pick this year maybe is not as uh, a, a big a deal as maybe it would be in a, in a deeper draft. So you have that element and then you have teams, you know, signaling that they're they're going for it pretty quickly. And we've we've talked about Jim Rutherford and, and Vancouver and kind of that mentality he had with mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. So that's not a surprise. It's a good that's move for Vancouver. Lindholm is a, a very good player. Really good player. He is a very good player, like in a vacuum. But he can play with high, high end players. And we remember maybe it was the best line in hockey a couple of years ago when he was playing with Matthew Kachuk. And Johnny Gaudreau. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, by the way, Lindholm is the other guy in that line, right? So I don't know where Vancouver is going to use him, but that's a good pickup for them. It is a good pickup. There was also some news about the NHL returning to the Olympics. They're going to talk about the Penguin signing Puglia Garvey. <laughs> Well, I was going to save the best for last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to a two-year deal, nonetheless, right? <laughs> Didn't mean to steal your thunder there. How about that? Uh, I, you know, speaking of the Penguins, there was some talk that, that Vancouver would be in on Jake Gensel because there's that conversation happening right now about what do the Penguins do. They've got some games in hand on some teams in front of them in the standings, even right. though they're out of the playoff picture. So is there a chance for them to still make the playoffs? But you have the elephant in the room, which is Jake Gensel who's 29, his contract's up. He's been one of the best goal scorers in the game over the last handful of years. He's been a really good playoff performer. But you also have that dynamic partner of, do you want to overpay for him? Are the Penguins close to winning? Sidney Crosby dynamic, who loves playing with Jake Gensel. And, you know, as long as Crosby's still playing at the level he's playing, you're never going to be totally in a rebuild mode. And so you have this one asset the Penguins do have, where you probably could fetch a, a decent amount 
in return if you end up trading him. But then again, do you want to trade a guy who consistently scores 35 and is still relatively young? Yeah. There's some of that conversation. I would be surprised if the Penguins are sellers, but I've been surprised before. I was a little yeah. surprised they signed Boogie Harvey, actually. Sure. I'm not quite sure what they were trying to do with that. This is a guy, I mean, he can't he can't stay with an NHL team. Which is amazing to think about for a guy who went, what, fourth overall? Yeah. Not that long ago. Did well down at Wilkesbury, you know, obviously trying to. Oh, so he to, was playing there. Okay. He was down I there. The and I think he's. I, I think, you know, they invited him to, to like skate with the team before they assigned him to Wilkesbury. And I know he's been injured. He's had some issues. But again, that's that's probably one of those moves where if you're you're the Penguins and you don't have a deep farm system, you take a flyer on a guy like that and maybe mm-hmm. maybe you get lightning in a bottle, so to speak. So anyways, there there was a lot of that conversation about is Jake Gensel somebody that they would look to move. I told you the uh, the Olympics, which I actually think is a fascinating uh, debate. And maybe that's something you and I can discuss mm-hmm. a little later on in the show, because I am not a fan. I've I've made that point a number of times on this show of, of NHL players going to play in the Olympics because I think it, it takes away from the ultimate goal, which is to win a Stanley Cup. And you're using your assets to compete in something that is not helping the right. Stanley Cup and achieve those goals. Plus, you factor in the wear and tear, how many games potentially. If you end up having a deep run, the season stops. Well, I what, do you think, what do you think about what they're doing next year instead of an all-star game, which is like is that the four, four teams? Yeah. Or the four nations. U.S., Canada, Finland, and Sweden, which is basically taking the place of the all-star game. I'm not a fan of that either. And look, we this isn't meant to get political, but if you don't have Russia in there, it's not yeah, really the I was tournament. Gonna, or or right? the, the Czech team. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, just... Even if you were to combine, come like have a team with... with Czech Republic and Slovakia together, right. even though they're separate yeah. countries, like they're brethren, right? Yeah. I, I just think if you don't have Russia in that, you're just, you're kidding yourself. <laughs> right. I mean, that's like, you know, not, not playing with a, a full deck and, you know, I just, I, I don't like taking away from the season. I don't. And I don't like using your best assets, which are your players to do something like that. Cause again, we talk about the wear and tear and protecting the game and protecting mm-hmm. the players. I mean, you have a chance to be playing over 100 games if your team makes the playoffs in addition to yeah. playing in something. That's a lot of games. Yeah. It's a lot of games. And the Lightning are going to be well represented, <laughs> as as we know. So it's it's that came out. So that's something that we probably can discuss really throughout. And if people want to get involved on the conversation, they can. Apple. I will say this, Greg. You may not be a fan of NHL players going to play in the Olympics, but the NHL players are big fans. Well, that's why they that. did it. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they did it. I think the league caved. I think the players have been very outspoken about wanting to do that. I heard somebody say, yeah, n- no kidding, Connor McDavid is is pounding pounding the, the floor for for this to happen because he, what does he care? He's not going to win a championship in Edmonton. <laughs> you know, Team Canada right. and you have a really good chance and it, it, it made me laugh and made me chuckle a little did bit. Did you see Pasternak's comment after what did he say? Team Matthews won the million dollars because there were four Toronto players on yeah. that team, right? Riley, uh-huh. Marner, Matthews, right. and Nylander. He said, well, good for them. They finally won something. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's actually a really oh good comment. Oh my gosh, Pasternak. That's great. Not holding back, throwing no. shade. No, that makes me that makes me chuckle, as it should. And those guys, I think, <laughs> they understand that's going to come with the territory. But yes, you know, if anybody has comments on on that, go ahead. I, I think for the fans, they like watching it for sure because you're seeing the best of the best. But I, I do think, from a practical perspective, it it takes a lot out of the players in the league, and it's something to to consider. But you know, they made the decision and uh, more hockey yeah. to be played yep. for sure. Good for Lightning. fans too. I yeah. mean, I think the fans enjoy it, particularly if the Olympics are taking place somewhere in the world where yeah. the games are accessible at a reasonable time. Yes. So you can watch them live. That is correct. Yeah. No doubt about that. Lightning, of well, course, back yeah, in let's action. Let's get to the lightning. Back in action. A um, couple of Practice tough games. Today. For sure. And I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people... Uh, want to know, want to see partner A, how healthy are they coming out of the break? Where Very. where are they going to be? Let's get right to it. And mm-hmm. uh, any moves on the horizon. But why don't we get into the line combinations today? Yeah. So look, everybody who is out is back skating. I don't know if they're going to be eligible to play. Like they may be skating and they haven't been cleared yet. But I would say based on how they ran practice, it looks like you got a healthy Sergachev, You got a healthy Chernak. You got a healthy Tanner Janot. You got a healthy Hayden Fleury, although he's on the fourth D pair with Calvin DeHaan. So Lilleberg is in the top six. Lilleberg was skating with Perbix. You had Sergachev and Chernak together and then Radish with Hedman, and those two have been playing together pretty regularly for several weeks prior to the All-Star break. Yep. So Mitchell Chafee was one of three players sent to Syracuse when the Lightning had their All-Star break and bye week. He's the he's the only guy to come back up. So Crozier is still down and Merrilla is still down. And Chafee is on the fourth line with Glenn Denning and Janot. So good for Mitchell Chafee. I mean, he showed well clearly during his time up that he was the guy summoned. I mean, because we saw Gonzalez, right? We did. For a couple of games. Well, and I think a lot and, of people... And Merrill could have come back up. But for sure. instead, they decided to go with Chafee. And I don't know what to make of it other than he impressed and, mm-hmm. and they want a longer look. I think also, uh, as Steve uh, pointed out, Tanner Janot is not going to play at the start of the road trip. Okay, thank He's you, Steve. He's hoping he can get in the lineup at some That's point. That's breaking news. Yeah, he can get in some point during the trip. I, I think you're right. You, you take a look at the players who are in, and then you take a look at the players who aren't. And sometimes that's a, a little more telling as well. But mm-hmm. the fact that Lilleberg stays in that top six, we shouldn't be surprised. It's just when it does happen, you're you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of seeing what I'm seeing. And we've talked about Lilleberg probably impressed the most out of everybody on the back end. And perhaps we were asking the question when everybody is healthy, what does mm-hmm. it look like? And it appears, partner, that Lilleberg is going to be part of that mix. Well, and the fact that Janot was was taking a spot on one of the top four lines but is not playing. And the Lightning will have a practice tomorrow. They don't play till Wednesday. So they have a practice tomorrow. It'll probably be something optional on Wednesday before they see the Rangers, who, by the way, play tonight. Both the teams the Lightning will be seeing at the beginning of the trip will have played by the time the Lightning see them. So the Rangers play Colorado tonight. So the Lightning will be the... Let's be honest, probably the more rusty team 
the Rangers are not going to be tired from having played tonight. So they'll be a little bit more in, in game mode. And then the Lightning play a back-to-back against the Islanders, who play also tonight. They play Toronto. So the Islanders play tonight, then they get two days off. And the Lightning will play the second half of a back-to-back. So that's a scheduling advantage, in my opinion, for sure. the Islanders. So I think the first two games of this road trip, the Lightning's opponent will enter the game with a circumstantial advantage over the Lightning. The Rangers, because they will have gotten a game under their belt before that game, and the Lightning will not have gotten a game under their belt. And then the game on Thursday, Lightning Islanders, both teams will have played, but the Islanders will be coming off a two-day break, and the Lightning will be playing the second half of a back-to-back. So we've talked about the, the pendulum of the schedule swings back and forth. The Lightning do not have a circumstantial advantage. I would say they have a circumstantial disadvantage in the first two games. But my point about the lineup, if the Lightning are basically setting their lines for the game on Wednesday against the Rangers, you have Barry Boulay and Watson, who's also been hurt, but he was skating today. Yet neither one of those players was taking the spot with Glenn Denning and Mitchell Chafee. So that might mean that the Lightning are looking at 11-7. and It might. I mean, I think I'm kind of spitballing right now because we're still two and a half days away, essentially, from them taking the ice against the Rangers. But it is a possibility for a couple of reasons. First of all, DeHaan played well. Like, DeHaan right now is on the fourth pairing with Hayden Fleury. DeHaan was a big part of why the Lightning were doing so well defensively. It's just that they want Lilleberg basically to be in the top six. So maybe you're saying, well, Calvin DeHaan played well too. So we want to have seven defensemen in there. It was kind of like when, what team were the Lightning playing? They they acquired a player, and it was the Flyers when they got Jamie Drysdale. And they said, we like our six, so when Drysdale arrives, we're just going to play seven. Yeah. Maybe the Lightning are going to kind of start this road trip that way and go with 11 and 7. And the other part of it is you do have, if Chernak and Sergeyev are both playing, you do have two players coming back from injury who have not played in a while. And so maybe you want seven defensemen for that reason as well. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that does. I think that's logically speaking. You can protect Lilleberg a little bit more if he wants to in that scenario as well. But it is pretty clear that he is the the one young defenseman who we saw over the last couple of weeks that the coaching staff is willing to give maybe a longer look, at least initially here. And why not? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that style of play is more conducive to not having as many mistakes on the ice when you're physical and you kind of play a simpler game. Maybe. But I, I think you're right about DeHaan. You know, we talked about Radish and Perbix uh, continuing to progress as defensemen. And then you kind of ask, you know, especially with Bogosian gone, you'd like a, a veteran defenseman to come in and, and be serviceable. I think DeHaan's been more than that. Mm-hmm. And he, along with everybody else on that back end over the last month, have not only been better defensively, but they've contributed offensively as well. And I think that is something to keep an eye on moving forward here. So I I think some interesting developments to start. And the Lightning, we've always asked the question, what is this team going to look like when everybody is healthy? It doesn't always play out that way, Dave, because things happen and it's never as good as you want it to be when it comes to a full lineup, especially Mm -hmm. midway through the season. But it appears they are working towards that goal. And at the very least, they are developing some really good depth 
that they currently have that I'm not sure we thought at the NHL level they had before the season began. And that's all very positive. Very positive. Um, I do want to mention, and if we have any questions, because we were gone for a week, we're happy to answer them. But I I do want to mention, I wrote a column that's going to be posted this afternoon on the Lightning's website. And what I've tried to do is I've tried to, like, basically pop in with my column at the end of each 10-game segment. So we didn't actually get into this because the Lightning finished up their 10-game segment on – or we did get into it. They finished on a Saturday. We had Monday show. They had a very good – so I covered this in the column. They had a very good 10-game segment going from games 41 to 50. They lost game 41, but then they went 8-1 and the rest of the way. So they entered the All-Star break with 59 points through 50 games. They are now one point off playoff pace. In case you were wondering, will 96 definitely be enough this year? Like, it's been a very condensed, compact, competitive Eastern Conference, right? If you kind of work out the games in hand for the teams that are below the Lightning... Not one of those teams is at playoff pace. The Lightning are within a point of playoff pace. So if you are to ask me now, today, on February 5th, I would say that any team that gets to 96 or higher is going to get in. You might get in with less than 96. But right now, the top eight, seven of those eight are within two points of playoff pace and not ahead. The one team that isn't, Philadelphia, but they are in a playoff spot because they are in third place in the Metropolitan Division. The teams that are behind the wildcard teams, right now Toronto and Detroit, but Toronto has games in hand on the Lightning, so they have an opportunity to move ahead. But if you look at the teams behind Detroit, the second wildcard team, you have four Metro teams. You have the Islanders, you have the Penguins, you have the Devils, you have the Capitals. The Penguins would need to win their four games in hand on the Flyers, and if they did that, they would basically be where the Lightning are at. But they have to go 4-0 and in those four games, and that would be quite a defeat based on how their season has gone. The other teams are closer to 50 games. They're not going to get close to 60 points. So, look, 30 games left plus two, that's a lot. A lot can happen. The Lightning were able to adjust their trajectory in a nine-game span. So if one or two of these teams goes on a run, coinciding with some other teams dipping, this could change. Right. But I think the Lightning have put themselves, and this is very positive, they've put themselves in a position, they are basically within range to get to 96 if they can maintain playoff pace in their final 30 games. Then they have two left at the end of the regular season, which, by the way, are both home games to get to 96 or higher. I think if they can get to 96 or higher, they're going to get in the playoffs. Asking me today, understanding a couple teams may get hot, that may upset the apple cart a little bit. Now, the next segment is going to be a challenging one. We've talked about it. Four straight on the road to start. You got two first-place teams. You got a back-to-back in there. Then you get a four-game homestand. First two games on the homestand, Colorado and Florida. First place team and a second place team. Yeah. The Lightning are gonna have to dig in to try and get twelve points out of this segment. They they I think it's imperative that they get off to a good start here. And yes, the Columbus game is there. They've lost to Columbus already this year. But that Columbus game is sitting out there like that is they they need those two points. 
because that is the one quote-unquote weak sister they have right. in this opening gauntlet. And the Islanders are behind them in the standings, but the Islanders know that. And the Lightning, as I mentioned, have a circumstantial disadvantage going into that game. As Colorado you are, is always tough, and yeah. Florida is always tough. For sure. No doubt. So that's that's the one segment I'll get your thoughts, and then I'll hit the, no. the other part that I have in the column. No, you're right. right. I mean, look, it's my as you often say, your spidey sense, my spidey sense tells me that the Lightning are going to be ready to go. You know, we're 50 games into the season now. I think the Lightning have some confidence, 8-2 and two in their last 10. They've won three in a row. I, I think they've had some some ups and downs, but I think they're starting to find some consistent play. They're getting healthy at the right time, and I think the biggest point, they're playing some really good teams coming out, so you can't mm-hmm. afford to have these lulls like they've had earlier in the year. I think they'll be ready to go. I don't know what that's going to come out to, partner, in a in a 10-game stretch. Uh, I don't think it's going to be awful for them. My suspicion tells me they're going to be up for the challenge and be ready to go. But that's more of a hunch than than anything else. And I'm looking forward to it starting on on Wednesday uh, against the Rangers, a team that's, you know, four or five and one in their last 10. They have been great. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think I think maybe I don't want to say getting New York at, at the right time. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But I think they'll be ready to go. The, the Rangers have played the Lightning really well at MSG. I know the Lightning won that series back in 2022, but they did lose the first two games in New York. And it was, let's be honest, it was kind of a coin toss game, game five. The Lightning got the two goals from, I keep saying two goals from Sergeyev. Remember his second one, like, nicked off basically a thread hanging off Andre Palat's leg. And so Palat got credit for the goal, but Sergeyev took the shot. Like, that was a late goal that broke a 1-1 game. It was a very close game. And in the regular season, the Rangers really had the Lightning's number at MSG especially, but also the Rangers have done well at, at Amelie in the last few years. So it just feels like it's one of those matchups that tends to give the Lightning some trouble. Remember, they opened the season there last year and laid an egg. So this is this kind of reminds me a little bit of that opening night game because they're coming off a break, basically, and we'll see how they do. But you're right. I mean, you would expect that they are going to be ready. You would expect that they will get a jolt from some of the injured guys coming back that will add to their lineup depth, and we'll see if they can continue doing what they did well in the previous segment, and that is the second part of the column, which I had, which was really digging in on the numbers defensively. So some of this we've mentioned on the show. But here are the up-to-date numbers. So in the last, beyond the last nine, where the Lightning went eight and one, in the last 18, Lightning came back from Western Canada. They played the Blues at home right before Christmas. They won that game. Starting with that game, they've gone 13 and five. They have allowed more than three goals in only four of those 18 games. And one of those, I'm I'm gonna move into the other column because they gave up the fourth goal into an empty net against Winnipeg. So to me, 15 of the 18 games, they've held the other team to three or less with a goalie in the net. That is a huge, huge improvement over where they were at the start of the year. Overall, in the 18 games, they allowed a total of 50 goals. That averages out to a 2.78 goals allowed per game number. That's good. That's very good. It has helped them move from whatever they were at the start of that 18-game stretch, 29th, 30th in the league, to 23rd. So right now they are 23rd in team defense. That tells you they've gotten better defensively, and it has coincided with them winning a lot more than they have lost. But I will repeat, 
This is what I wrote in the column. I think they need to get better. And I think they need to get better because while goal scoring has gone up in the last couple of years, I would not be surprised if things tighten up during the stretch run. Usually does, doesn't As, it? Well, I mean, the last couple of years, statistics have told us no overall. But, you know, our team's like filling the net against clubs that are out of the playoffs to, to affect that number. I kind of feel like when you have two teams that are in the running for a playoff spot, it tends to be tight and it tends to be more low scoring than at the start of the year. So if we were to say, all right, if we're cutting the difference between three and more than three, the Lightning would have done very, very well. But if we try and whittle off one more goal, what is the difference between two or less and three or more? In those 18 games, the Lightning held the other team to under three and only seven. So a lot of their victories, or a lot of their games, I should say, they have allowed three. I think the two or less needs to be a little bit more consistent. It's not going to happen every game. But that is one way to navigate through a difficult road trip. Because generally, it is harder to outscore your problems on the road when you're chasing. And if we look at the Lightning's road record, which has not been a great record this year, I feel like in a lot of those games, they have been down for much of those games having a chase. If they can D up, and D up even at a higher level than what we saw prior to the break, I think they will set themselves up for success specifically on this road trip to start, but generally over the last 32 games. So I may be wrong. I mean, look, the Lightning do have the top score in the league. They have the number one power play in the NHL. Maybe they can keep getting points, allowing three goals. But again, my spidey sense tells me I think that I think we need to see more twos and ones thrown in there. You know, and you Vasilevsky, might- Vasilevsky finding a different level, which I think happened, yeah. coincided with this, that should help them too. I think when we talk about the Lightning defensively, we are going to look back and say that's when Vassy started to find his game as well. I think those two go hand in hand because I do think you can play off of your goaltender getting back to that elite form. And then I think, you know, tightening some things up, I think, is is paramount for the, the Lightning to continue to be good defensively. I'm curious because we we've and I agree with you. I mean, I, I do want to see them be better defensively and, and how many goals they do allow uh, every game. You want to see that number come down. Is there anything offensively we may see a regression on that you're looking at numbers wise and saying, you know what, that's what they did through the first 50. I just don't know if that's going to hold up their next 32, whether it's the power play, whether it's Kucherov's play. I'm I'm less concerned about that because I do think offenses come and go. But is there anything that's been exceptional offensively through the first 50 that you can also say the same thing in terms of how we compared it defensively? Is there going to be an improvement or a regression on that side of the ice? Well, I think offensively things can can be a little bit more helter-skelter even as skilled as the Lightning are as a team and their top-end guys, especially Kucherov, like their top-end guys have had good offensive years, and a lot of it has been fueled by the power play. Will the power play continue to click at 30%? 
it's going to be hard to maintain. I mean, that's high end. Yeah, that's high. That end. is high end, right? I, I don't know. I mean, were you asking more defensively? No, I think I, I think more on the offensive side because we know they've had really good numbers offensively. Yeah. it can be individual. It could be the power plays you just alluded to. Is for the reasons we talked about. Look, we think their numbers need to come down even more defensively if they want to continue this march towards the playoffs and have some good confidence. Is there anything from an offensive perspective you're going to keep an eye on from here on out to say I want to see if they can keep that number going because I'm not sure it's feasible. Well, I don't know if it's feasible if they can continue to allow three goals a game and win games in regulation. Now, look, they might allow three and get the game to overtime. And if if they're getting games to overtime against teams behind them, that's good, right? <laughs> that means that, that at worst they're only losing one point and they are getting a point. Makes it harder for them to chase. So meaning meaning the teams behind them. I, I just don't know though if you can continue to rely on scoring four to five goals a game to get regulation wins. I know I'm repeating myself, but you asked the question, so uh, that's probably until you asked the question. I didn't really say it this way, but I think I was thinking about it sure. this way, and that's why my spidey sense is telling me more on the other end of things. Like yeah, that's that's fair. Keeping keeping the goals against two or less will will allow them to have a slight drop in their offensive production and still have success because. That drop in offensive production may happen just based on where we are in the season. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, on most occasions, you're right, the offense maybe takes a step back a little bit as the season gets closer to the postseason. I I, I do think that happens. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we know in the postseason things can be a little more... Uh, a little more consistent in terms of what you're going to see defensively. I've said, I think that first round might be a little bit of an outlier because both it sometimes teams, is. Yeah. yeah both teams are, are relatively healthy. There's, you haven't had the grind of playing two series previously and things happen. So we acknowledge that, but I, I do think defensively is where you want to see the team continue to make some strides. And I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if offensively the numbers come down a little bit at bolts radio if you want to get involved in the conversation you can and look it's not only about the regular season which right now is of paramount importance because let's be honest the lightning have to find a way to get into the playoffs right but if they can get into the playoffs i do think that d'ing up is going to be a big part of having a good run yeah i mean i'm looking at the series last year they had against the Leafs. So the Lightning won two games in that series. They scored seven in the first game, and they allowed three, but two of those came very late in the game. So they had enough offense to win that game. The other game they won, they held the Leafs to two. The games they lost, they scored enough. Let's look at games three and four, which were really gut-wrenching losses for the Lightning because they had a lead in both. But not only did they have a lead in both, they had scored enough in both. If you're going to say hold the other team to two or less, Lightning scored three goals in game three, lost four to three in overtime. They scored four goals in game four and lost five to four in overtime. That was the series right there. 
And then, of course, Toronto won game six in overtime. That was two to one. That was a tight defensive game. And you're going to have games like that. That one probably stings a little less than games three and four because Lightning had the lead, but I repeat myself. They did enough offensively to win both of those games. Yeah, what they did not agree. do well enough was keep the puck out of their yep. own net. That's all fair. And they lost the series. Yeah, for sure. Let's get to some questions at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. Anthony says, I've read that a lot of people were amused by Kucherov, but some new things for haters to feed on. He actually played good during the three-on-three. ESPN Plus NHL production is quite a show, if you know what I mean. Reminds me of some middle school event, which costs a couple million dollars. Um, I, I didn't watch it, and I. But that's not the NHL. That's any type of all-star game, Anthony. I, I, I think I stopped watching all-star events when they took the uh, quarterback skills competition, and it's not as <laughs> prominent. <laughs> but that might have been like didn't late Baker 80s. Mayfield had a really good Pro Bowl though, didn't he? He might have today. He yeah, I think, I think he had him. a great Pro Bowl. Good for him. God, but and there's always money attached to these things, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, winner. So maybe that's and, part yeah, of it. so it's you know good for him, but. I, as I said before, I don't know, for those of you who just joined us, my my take on it was if you are judging Kucherov in any way, in a negative way, based off of what he did or didn't do during the, the NHL All-Star weekend, I, I think you need to hand in your analyst card when it comes to evaluating talent because it's an exhibition game. I, I think probably if you ask some of those guys if they really wanted to be there off the record, they probably said I'd rather be home relaxing. And I even saw people kind of rip Sidney Crosby for uh, maybe not showing up for the actual draft. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I'm piecing this together. He was apparently skating, Dave, and, and still staying in shape, but he, he didn't show up for that. I mean, could you just imagine the level of ridiculousness you have to have to critique players in that on that level for a for an exhibition game. Well, in the shameless cross promotion part of the show, I would encourage fans if they haven't already heard it to listen to. I think it's the most recent edition of Martini Mondays with with Phil and Chief, and they talk about how the All Star Game used to be set up, which was the defending Stanley Cup champions played a group of All Stars. And it was before the season started. And there was some intensity in that game. Now, there was money for the the winning team. And players then didn't make what they're making now. But I think what Chief said was the All-Stars were comprised of players on losing teams. Teams that had lost to the Stanley Cup champion. And they were motivated. They were motivated to play and beat, beat those guys. We don't have that anymore, of course, but that would have been a much different type of game to watch. I I think we're probably hitting on something that's obvious, but sometimes you need to state the obvious when you're you're making a point. I I do think with free agency and and the way teams and players move back and forth, I do think all-star games become less relevant. I do. And the yeah. money that's being made by all these guys. You know, I think a lot of them, I'm not going to speak for every one of them, but based off of just years watching it and covering it, I, I think a lot of players at this point would rather just stay home and and take a, a couple of days off than participate in what's basically a sideshow. So that's my take on all 
all-star games. It's not just the hockey. And inevitably, we have these conversations once a year when they do pop up. George says, first off, congrats, Mish, on publishing the new book. With everyone getting back to practice, who do you see from the Lightning in trade conversations? <laughs> <laughs> well, we just jumped right ahead. Yeah, right, dude. Who's getting Well, we can mention the trade deadline is what, March 8th? So a little over a month away. How about I, all I of, have no idea, George. How about all of the other teams' good players for the Lightning's bad players? <laughs> yes. And we'll make we'll make that trade and go from there. Uh, George, yeah, get do a, your Pittsburgh <laughs> impersonation of whoever from Squirrel Hill calling you, in. <laughs> hey, 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 Greg. Uh, this is Dougie from Dougie from Lawrenceville, and I, I want to know: Do you do you think if we trade Jesse Pujarvi <laughs> for Connor McDavid, you think Edmonton would want to rekindle that flag a little bit? <laughs> and um, it's just one of those things that you just chuckle. I, I will say this. just We'll, to we'll throw it. in a seventh-round pick to sweeten the and pot. And maybe a little <laughs> terrible towel. You know what I mean? We can go, go downtown. Um, George, I, I have maintained that I think, at least on the surface, the Lightning may have felt this way from an organizational standpoint all year. I think they have found some quality depth. And while I don't think they have the draft capital, to entice a decent move or a bigger move for a, a marquee player, I do think they have some assets in the form of minor league players who they could deal if they wanted to to address a need on mm -hmm. their team. Do I think they're going to do something? And I'll, I'll go a step further here, George, for you, because I think you, you're asking our opinion and, and you want, you know, hopefully a, a decent response. I do. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's relatively big. But I think also maybe how they're doing the next couple of weeks, partner, will also signal to Julian how big of a trade potentially he's willing to make based off the trajectory of their team and how they're coming together. Because you could make a case the last couple of weeks they've played some of their best hockey. Mm -hmm. And I think you want to see that continue. And that may... That may factor into some of the decision on what they should do or how big they should go. How about the these deadline. first six games, Greg? I mean, Absolutely. like we talk about litmus test games. Yeah. I, I like mean, it. Julian is going to get an opportunity to see his group, and the group is healthy now. I mean, basically, Janot is on his way back, but Coop said he hopes Janot might be able to play on the trip. Julian will see his group competing against playoff-bound teams. The first six games out of the break, I think it's safe to say you got four playoff teams there for sure. The Islanders hope they'll be a fifth. That's quality competition and will clarify things for Julian. Yeah. So I hope, George, that gave you uh, some insight on potentially what we think they'll do. Uh, Lucas also says the NHL wants more people talking about events, wants more fans engaged, wants a new fans to the game. Kucherov was one of the most talked about headlines the entire weekend. Why is he getting so much hate for playing the villain and having fun in his own way? He generated conversation. You know, I, I saw one <laughs> analyst and I have to, to click on their profile and, and maybe this is wrong with me, you know, you, you, maybe you tend to give people initially 
a little more leeway depending on how many people follow them or who they cover. I want to say the person covered the minor leagues to some extent, maybe does some work at the NHL level, uh, follows Toronto and, and Florida. So take that for what it is in terms of the analysis and where they come from. But the comment, and I'm paraphrasing, was, you know, it, it took me, after thinking about this long and hard, that was just a really bad look from Kucherov because of all of the first eyeballs, young kids who were watching him for the first time were turned off, and you need to put on a better show. And I'm thinking, why do you need that to happen at an All-Star game? If you know anything about hockey, you're probably watching the guy, I would think, through highlights, through games, through YouTube, and probably seeing how dominant Kucherov has been, not only throughout the course of his year, partner, but right now where he's been arguably the best player. So I, again, that, that's kind of the connection I'm making where if you're one of those people who are basically calling out Kucherov and somehow it's, it's a dark cloud over him and it washes out everything he's done up to this point. I, I just, I think you're looking, you're trying to be smarter than what you really are and you're really doing an injustice to, I, I think, the game and to Kucherov in general because I'm, I'm not sure that's the way to uh, appropriate look at that. I think Lightning fans feel they need to defend Kucherov. And look, that's fine. Whether they're saying, look how hard he works during the offseason or look at his level of play this year or you just don't understand him. He's kind of, That's his way of having fun. Look, I think that that's great that Lightning fans want to speak up in Kucherov's defense. I honestly don't think he cares about the negative comments. <laughs> so, well, that's true. I'm not sure. For sure. I mean, I'm not sure that he lost one second of sleep over <laughs> what happened. I would agree. With I that. mean, I'm I'm giving you my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I here. would agree. I would agree. So, if he is not losing any sleep over it, I feel that I have the permission not to lose any sleep over it as well. hundred <laughs> percent. Now, but again, I can appreciate lightning fans taking up the, well, mantle, here's Basil's the right way of putting it. Basil says, unless he does something outwardly or the competition fades away, Kucherov may have taken himself out of the running for the heart trophy with that performance in the skills competition. Well, look, the writers do vote on it. So if there is a push that the writers feel that his, his display at All-Star Weekend but that's somehow should have a bearing on the vote. That's insane. How, why would that have any bearing on what a guy does during an 82-game season? And that's what I mean. Like, if that, if you're using that in any way to judge Kucherov and you would be willing to go that far that's to take Basel votes away. Suggesting, well, that's what I mean. But, like, if that is true, and it may, look, it may be Basil. <laughs> you might be right. If that is the case... Those writers shouldn't have a vote. I don't, you know, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you need to hear it. Like, you should not have a vote if that's how you're feeling. Because anybody watching Kucherov play this year will look at this and say, he's probably the best player, at least offensive player in the game right now. And we're factoring in Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. And anybody else who's having a banner year, 
And for somebody to to secretly or even openly, I, I would actually I, I would rather have a writer be open about it and say that's going to take away from my voting what he did during All Star Weekend because then at least we know we have you on record. But if you secretly do that, you shouldn't be judging anything in this sport because it's an exhibition game. My goodness. My goodness. So you're probably right, Basil. There's probably somebody who's going to be like that. I, I just, it's shocking. That's where we are. So, you know. Mason has a meme with um, <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. Is that Marshawn Lynch? And the, and the subtitles say, I'm here so I won't get fined. <laughs> Live look from Cooch this weekend. <laughs> and so, you know, Marshawn Lynch is a hockey fan. He's, he's really invested. And I mean that literally. I think he's a part owner of the Kraken. Isn't when he? they had the draft, the, the expansion draft, wasn't didn't he announce... I think so. The He's first been involved. Yeah. yeah. He was there at the Winter Classic, too. Yeah. Yeah. Marshawn. He probably likes the, the hitting in the game. Can I tell you game, this? I guess. You know what he has in common with Cooch? Probably doesn't care one iota what people think of him. Yeah. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. Right in that, in that category. And you know what? Good for him. And good for Cooch. Partner, good for you. Announcing today. Yeah, book. yeah, That's we can a, recap in case people joined us later. Why don't you, why don't you give a, a, I wrote a quick book. recap? It's a novel. It's going to be published on March 31st. The name of the book is Blind Squirrel. This is fiction. This is not nonfiction. This is a made-up story. But as I said at the, the top, it's a story. Right now, I will describe it this way. It is a story of family, loss, love, and hope. And mm. there is some hockey in there as well. Love it. So March 31st is the publication date. We'll have more details in the coming weeks. I love it. Congratulations again. Thank it's you. It's uh, quite an honor and uh, very proud of you here on Bolts Radio. Thank you, everybody who listened. We appreciate you guys. It's great to be back. And thanks to Steve Ersnick as well. We'll be with you again tomorrow in this setting, noon to 1. Get those questions in again at Bolts Radio. Pre-taping tomorrow because the Lightning are flying to New York. There you go. So get the questions in early. All right. Please do. Get them in now. We'll talk about them tomorrow on Lightning Radio.